0: The Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals presents the timeless teaching of Dr. Donald Gray Barnhouse.
1: It doesn't make any difference what your past has been. If the worst man who ever lived in the United States should be listening to this message, I say to you, Jesus says to you, I will in no wise cast you out. If there is a woman who believes that she has so transgressed, has done something for which her father and mother would now look askance and she be afraid to lift up her eyes to them. Be not afraid to lift your eyes to Jesus Christ. He is approachable. He is universal. He is for you.
0: The message we will be featuring on today's edition of Dr. Barnhouse and the Bible is entitled, John Bunyan's Text. Today we begin a new series on Great Texts of Great Men. John Bunyan is perhaps best known as the author of Pilgrim's Progress. But for years, Bunyan made very little progress in his spiritual pilgrimage. Overwhelmed by his burden of great guilt and sin, imprisoned by the fear of certain judgment, He finally found peace with God through the glorious truth of one particular verse in the Bible. How did this passage of Scripture so powerfully transform John Bunyan into a mighty man of God? Let's find out. The Scripture text for this edition of Dr. Barnhouse and the Bible, John chapter 6 and verse 37. Here again is Dr. Donald Gray Barnhouse with a message entitled, John Bunyan's Text.
1: Through the Lord Jesus Christ, we come unto thee our Father and our God and in the Holy Spirit. We ask thee that thou shalt reach through to our hearts in this hour and use thy divine word, living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, to reach to the need of each listener. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Several years ago, I read a book by an Australian writer, Borum in which he spoke of various verses in the Bible which had transformed the lives of individuals. A bunch of everlastings is what he called his text, and he spoke of all of the blessings that had come to individual men through certain texts. Martin Luther's text was the just shall live by faith, and other men had been moved by certain individual texts. Among these was the life of John Bunyan, I read it, and I enjoyed very much what Borum had to say about it. And I today am going to speak about John Bunyan's text. The story of John Bunyan is one of the most interesting of all the stories of the human race, for never has God done so much with so little. Bunyan preached the simple righteousness of the gospel, and they put him in jail where he spent twelve years. But during his imprisonment, he began to write Pilgrim's Progress a book that everyone talks about in our generation, but one that few people have read. It was early in the 17th century, a hundred years after the time of Luther. The English Reformation was established, and the Church of England was going on its sweet and placid way. It had become quiet, calm, contented, and spiritually dead. Suddenly there arose within the Church a great movement for more strictness of life and for simplicity of worship. Parallel with the religious movement which developed into Puritanism was the political movement which swept into the English Civil War and produced Oliver Cromwell. John Bunyan was born in November 1628. His father was Thomas Bunyan, a tinker of Elstow near Bedford. John was educated in the village school, where he learned to read and write. In those days, tinkers formed a hereditary caste, low on the social scale of England. Out of this lower class came... John Bunyan. He grew up in a very strict atmosphere and among people to whom religion consisted of thou shalt not. When Bunyan was 17 years old, he enlisted in the parliamentary army and went through the military campaigns of 1645, which defeated the forces of King Charles I. His officers were Puritans. Anyone in the army who swore was fined a shilling. If a man got drunk, he was deprived of two or three weeks' pay and was put into the stocks where people could laugh at him. In 1646, Bunyan returned home from the war, and about two years later married a poor girl. He wrote that when he took her from her house, she had as her total possessions the clothes that she wore and two books. This was her dowry. The two books were The Plain Man's Path to Heaven and The Practice of Piety. A year or two later, Bunyan came into contact with a man whose name we do not know but who preached Christ to him. Bunyan said, he did talk pleasantly of the scripture, wherefore falling into some love and liking to what he said, I betook me to my Bible and began to take great pleasure in reading, but especially in the historical part thereof. But as for Paul's epistles and such like parts of scripture, I could not away with them. In other words, they were over his head. And then followed a long period of tremendous conviction of sin, The Encyclopedia Britannica article on Bunyan has a tremendous summary of the horror that filled this man's life during this period. His head was full of Bible, and his heart was full of misery. Here is what the Encyclopedia Britannica says. In outward things, he soon became a strict Pharisee. He was constant in attendance at prayers and sermons. His favorite amusements were, one after another, relinquished, though not without many painful struggles. You see, he passed through that type of religion where you have to give up this and you give up that and you give up this and you give up that. The encyclopedia continues, to give up dancing on the village green was still harder and some months elapsed before he had the fortitude to part with his darling sin. When this last sacrifice had been made, he was, even when tried by the maxims of that austere time, he was faultless. All Elstow talked of him as an eminently pious youth. But his own mind was more unquiet than ever, having nothing more to do in the way of visible reformation, and yet finding in religion no pleasures to supply the place of the juvenile amusements which he had given up, he began to apprehend that he lay under some special malediction, and he was tormented by a succession of fantasies which seemed likely to drive him to suicide or to bedlam. But enough of the Encyclopedia Britannica. John Bunyan was trying to lift himself to heaven by doing. He was trying to give up. He had never yet met Christ. At another time he pursued this notion. He said, if I have not faith, I'm lost. If I have faith, I can work miracles. So he was attempted to cry to the mud puddles, be ye dry, and to stake his eternal hopes on the result. He consulted an old Puritan and said to him, I'm afraid I have committed the sin against the Holy Spirit. And the old fanatic replied, I am afraid that you have. No hope. And then the light broke. John Bunyan got his text. Oh, just one text out of the word of God can explode in a person's life and make all things new. If you do not have a text, if you do not have something that you can turn to when you're sick, when you wake up with pains, when you get out on the wrong side of the bed, if you do not have something that you can turn to in your misery and say, No matter how I feel, it is still there. There's the book. So, praise God, I'm still saved. I'm not going to tell you just yet what Bunyan's text was, for we shall come to it in a way that I think will strike you with great force. Borum, in telling the story of Bunyan's life, says that there's no doubt about the text, for as a lover carves his lady's name on trees, signs it for his own, and mumbles it in his sleep, so Bunyan inscribes everywhere the text, that wrought his memorable deliverance. It crops up again and again in all of his writings. The characters in Pilgrim's Progress, in Grace Abounding, the dream children of his fertile imagination, repeat it to each other as though it were a password, a talisman, a charm. And Bunyan himself quotes it whenever there's the slightest opportunity for bringing it in. This text is the burden of everything he wrote and of every sermon that he preached. It sings through his autobiography like a chanting chorus, like an echoing refrain. And by the radiance of this text, Bunyan got himself out of every predicament that he got himself into. The joyful companionship of this text beguiled him in all his long and solitary tramps. It dispelled the loneliness of his dreary cell in jail. For when no other visitor was permitted, John Bunyan's text rushed to his memory as though an angel had brought it. This text sang its song of confidence and peace every morning, and its music scattered the gloom of every night in jail. It was the friend of his fireside, the companion of his loneliness, the comrade of his travels, the light of his darkness. It illumined his path among the perplexities of life. It wiped away his tears in the day of sorrow, and it smoothed his pillow in the hour of death. When I was a boy in California, There was a man in our town who had a large diamond pin which he always wore on his necktie. Anyone who could not recall his name would say, you know, the man with the diamond. Just as the diamond and the man got together in everybody's mind, so Bunyan and this text were together. For this text was a great diamond in the development of Bunyan. What was it? Well, wait just a bit more. In 1649, King Charles was executed and Oliver Cromwell ruled England for eleven years. In 1660 came the restoration when Charles II mounted the throne of England. It became very bad for all Puritans. And in November 1660, John Bunyan was put in jail. Now, he was not a man to stay out of jail if it meant standing for Christ. Now, there are times when the lines are so closely drawn that if we're going to stand for anything, it's going to cost us something. The great tragedy of our generation is that so few people have convictions, and even worse is the tragedy that those who have convictions will not stand for them. Jesus said, Woe unto you, when all men speak well of you. Perhaps you remember the first chapter of Pilgrim's Progress. There we meet the principal character, Pilgrim, clothed with rags, a book in his hand, and a great burden upon his back. He was greatly distressed in his mind, and burst out, What shall I do to be saved? Suddenly Evangelist meets him, and when Pilgrim asks him the way of escape, Evangelist says, Do you see yonder shining light? I think I do, says wretched Pilgrim. Then keep that light in your eye, and go directly thereto. So shalt thou see the gate, at which when thou knockest it shall be told thee what thou shalt do. And Pilgrim, in due course, came to the gate and knocked, saying, May I now enter here? Will he within open to sorry me, though I have been an undeserving rebel? Then shall I not fail to sing his lasting praise on high. And you remember that goodwill opens the gate and says, I am willing with all my heart. We make no objections against any, notwithstanding all that they have done before they come hither. They are in no wise cast out. There is John Bunyan's text. So at the very beginning of Christian's new life, there stands the first big but unmistakable mention of John Bunyan's text. Him that cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast out. Turning to Bunyan's autobiography, we read, in no wise cast out, he exclaims. Oh, the comfort I found in that word, in no wise cast out. In one of the most pathetic plaints ever written, Bunyan felt that he was a blot upon the face of the universe. He envied the toads and the grass by the side of the road and the crows that cawed in the plowed land by which he passed. He thought they could never know such misery as that which bowed him down. Thomas Macaulay, in his essay on Bunyan, says that one of the greatest paragraphs in English literature is this, "'I walked to a neighboring town,' and sat on a settle on the street, and fell into a very meek pause about the fearful state that sin had brought me to. And after long musing, I lifted up my head, and methought I saw as though the sun shining in the heavens did grudge to give me light, and as if the very stones in the street and tiles upon the houses did bend themselves against me. Methought that they were all banded together to ban me out of the world, I was abhorred of them, and unfit to dwell among them, for I had sinned against the Savior. Oh, how happy now was every creature over me, for they stood fast and kept their station, but I was gone and lost. While he was thus lamenting his hopeless condition, the light broke, and he said, This scripture did most sweetly visit my soul. Listen, did you ever have your soul visited? Do you know what it is to have hope in place of despair? Do you ever feel, oh, I must go to a psychiatrist and find out what is wrong with me, and then learn that you can go to Christ and find out what can be right with you? Have you ever given up your burden in order to receive his joy? Do you know what it is to have your life turned around because some word in the Bible did sweetly visit your soul? And Bunyan now writes, Oh, what did I then see in this blessed sixth of John? Oh, the comfort that I had in this word, in no wise cast out, in no wise cast out, him that cometh unto me I will in no wise cast out. What did he see in that sixth chapter of John? What comfort did he find so lavishly stored there? The matter is worth investigating. Bunyan found three things in John six thirty-seven. First, he found the approachability of Christ. In one of his books, Henry Drummond said, Suppose that the newspapers spread across the world that Jesus Christ was now in Palestine. Oh, there would be crowded boats and ports blocked with vessels, as far as the eye could see, caravans, dark, seething masses of humanity, stretching for leagues. Now, if Jesus Christ came to Palestine today, you could not get a booking for six months— The ocean liners would be filled to capacity. Every airplane reservation would be taken. Everyone would want to go to see Jesus Christ. But when Jesus went away, he sent the Holy Spirit, who can bring Christ right into your home. You don't have to phone a travel agency or an airline and ask, can I get a ticket to Palestine? Jesus is nearer to you than breathing, closer than hands or feet. Him that cometh unto me I will in no wise cast out. So Bunyan found, first of all, the approachability of Jesus. Even the most vile can easily go to the fountain of grace and find all that is needed in the Lord Jesus Christ. Second, there is in this text not only the approachability of Jesus, but the universality of Jesus. In his earlier life, Bunyan always thought that Christ would receive some more fortunate person than himself there was a man whom people called Holy Master Gifford. And Bunyan heard Holy Master Gifford and some poor woman discussing the things of the kingdom of God as they sat in front of their doors. Concerning the salvation of these people, Bunyan was as clear as could be. But from such happiness, he thought that he was rigidly excluded. About this time, he says in his autobiography, the happiness of these people at Bedford was a kind of vision to me. I saw on the sunny side of some mountains they were refreshing themselves in the pleasant beams of the sun, while I was shivering and sinking in the cold, afflicted with frost and snow and dark clouds. Methought also betwixt me and them I saw a wall that did compass about this mountain. Now through this wall my soul did so greatly desire to pass, concluding that if I could, I would there also comfort myself with the heat of their sun but I could find no way through or around or over the wall. And then Bunyan discovered the text. Him that cometh unto me I will in no wise cast out. This scripture did most sweetly visit my soul. But Satan would greatly labor to pull this promise from me, telling me that Christ did not love me or such as me, but sinners of another rank that had not done as I had done. But I would answer him again, him that cometh to me, him, any him, with no exception, him that cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast out. So the walls around Bunyan's mountains fell with a crash before that great and golden word, him that cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast out. The barriers were down, the way was open to anyone. This is the universality of Jesus it doesn't make any difference what your past has been. If the worst man who ever lived in the United States should be listening to this message, I say to you, Jesus says to you, I will in no wise cast you out. If there is a woman who believes that she has so transgressed, has done something for which her father and mother would now look askance and she be afraid to lift up her eyes to them, be not afraid to lift your eyes to Jesus Christ. He is approachable, he is universal, he is for you. The final thing that Bunyan saw in this text was not only the approachability of Christ and the universality of Christ, but the reliability of Christ. How wonderful to know that you can deposit your money in a bank that cannot fail, to know that you can invest in a stock that cannot go down, to know that you can build upon a rock that cannot be shaken. In Christ, You have reliability. Faith lays hold on this great promise, and that's it. Let me tell you a story to show that just by believing someone's word, you can experience complete relief of heart and mind. It was the first week of World War II in September 1939. Hitler marched into Poland on a Friday, and on Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, Neville Chamberlain declared war. Leaving my family in France, I had gone to Belfast, Ireland in that week, where I was to hold a series of meetings. Naturally, I was concerned about my family in France. And so the layman in charge of the meetings in Belfast took me to see the postmaster general of Ulster and ask about sending a telegram to my family. He said, we are not sending any personal telegrams, but if you want to send a wire to the American consul in Havre, we'll put that through. So I wired the consul in Havre, told him where my family was, and asked him to get in touch with them. I said I would guarantee their passage home. After we sent the telegram, my friend said to me, what are you going to do for money? Well, I said, they have some traveler's checks, and they have their tickets for a ship which will sail a month from now, but they want to go home now. My friend said to me, you can count on me for anything you need, up to a thousand pounds. That was then about $4,000. I'm thankful that we did not have to borrow and that the consul made all the arrangements and that my family did get home. But when that man said, you can count on me, his word ended my financial worries. If I needed it, the money was there. I knew him, I knew his character and I believed his promise. Now, Jesus said, Him that cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast out. Oh, thank you, my friend in Ireland, for your guarantee of funds. You have taken away a great worry. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for meeting all my needs. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses me from all sin. And you have taken away all my worries, my cares, my sins. And thou hast received me. Oh, said John Bunyan, that word did sweetly visit my soul. Do you have a word that sweetly visits your soul? Can you say my religion is not hope so? Maybe, possibly, perhaps. Or do you say, if I walk the straight and narrow for 20 years, maybe I shall perhaps have eternal life? None of that. Away with doubt, away with basing anything on human experience. Jesus Christ is approachable. Jesus Christ is universal. Jesus Christ is reliable. On him you can stake your soul. Him that cometh unto me I will in no wise cast out. This verse gave John Bunyan to the world. This verse can lift all weight from you. If you doubt, go back to the word of God. Turn the pages and say, O Lord, here is my need. Meet it. Here is my emptiness. Fill it. Speak some verse to my soul so that I can say, Here it is. This is for me. And when once you find the verse that speaks to your heart, you can base all of your life on God. Christ is approachable. He is universal. He is reliable. You can trust him who said, Him that cometh unto me I will in no wise cast out. You can trust him because he died for you in order to make his word effective on your behalf. Him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. And our God and Father, we pray thee that thou shalt meet the need of each listening soul in this hour. We ask it in the name and for the sake of our Lord Jesus. Amen.
0: Grace abounding to the chief of sinners is one of John Bunyan's famous writings. Grace will abound to you when you come to Jesus Christ and realize that He will in no wise cast you out. You can listen to an audio copy of today's message and additional Bible teaching by the late Dr. Donald Gray Barnhouse anytime, anywhere around the globe via the Internet by visiting the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals website at AllianceNet.org. Log on to this week's message entitled, John Bunyan's Text. An audio copy of today's teaching is also available by calling us toll-free, 1-800-488-1888. Today's message again is entitled, John Bunyan's Text, or simply request message number Q73. We would also like to make available to you a free copy of our booklet entitled, Tragedy or Triumph. Our lives are often shaken by devastating tragedy, and yet we can look back later and see how God brought forth glorious triumph from tragic circumstances for our benefit and His glory. This free booklet contains six favorite sermons by Dr. Barnhouse, including Tragedy or Triumph, Who Died at Calvary, Oil and Wine, Salted with Fire, The Scales of God, and Falling into Grace. These messages will encourage, challenge, and uplift you. Ask for your free copy of Tragedy or Triumph when you call or write. Dr. Barnhouse and the Bible is a radio ministry of the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals headquartered in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. We exist to promote a biblical understanding and worldview. For more information or to make a contribution to support and further our work, please contact us by writing Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals, Box 2000, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, 19103. Call toll-free 1-800-488-1888 or visit us online at alliancenet.org.